God bless you. Welcome to our worship service today, Palm Sunday. We have come, if you'll open God's, well, you open it to Luke 24. That's where we're going to start, and that's how we're going to close out the gospel according to Luke. I'm bringing you a message on the ascension of Christ. If you study the, if you study the subject of the ascension, you will find that the Bible is replete with references to the ascension of Christ. Uh, two or three in the Old Testament and then a whole bunch in the New Testament. There's no way that I could cover all of those um, references to the ascension. But I want to do uh, two things today in the message. Number one, make it pertinent to the day, which is Palm Sunday. And then number two, try to show you what Jesus is doing for us, for you and me right now. Jesus Christ is alive. We're, we've been studying the resurrection of Christ for several weeks here in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, he has just told his disciples uh, to wait until they're endued with power uh, from, from on high. Now, that'll be the, the, the days that they wait until Pentecost. It'll be 10 days that they'll have to wait. They don't know how long. Their, their response in faith is, you know, we're going to go, we're going to wait in this room, and we'll wait until the power comes if we have to wait here the rest of our lives. But turns out it was 10 days, right? So the ascension of Christ, in my view, is one of the five most important events in the history of mankind. And all five events deal with the person and ministry of Christ. And they're very simple. Number one, the virgin birth of Christ. Number two, the vicarious death of Christ uh, on the cross. Number three, the resurrection of Christ. Number four, which is what we're going to look at today, the ascension of Christ. And then number five, the second coming of Christ. The ascension of Christ is vital as he carries on his ministry. You know, he told the woman to stop clinging to him. He had not ascended. This was after he'd resurrected, but he said, stop clinging to me. I, I haven't ascended to my father yet. It's, it's, it's an unfinished task. He has finished what he came to do in the sense that he died for us. He cut the blood for the covenant and uh, the elect are forever saved and, and we're, we're indebted to Christ. He paid the ransom and redeemed us. By the, uh, by the price of his life and shedding of the blood on the cross. So we're justified. But we're still under attack. Uh, the old devil is still, not a single one of us can say that we stopped sinning after we were saved. Now, we're a lot better off than we were, and we've been redeemed from sin, uh, but we struggle in this life. And we grow, we grow in Christ. And we learn, we learn things as we grow and go. And Satan is always putting a, a pit out there to trap us. So what does it mean? Well, here's what the ascension means. Jesus Christ is in heaven right now. Now heaven is a place. Uh, and he is in that place doing something. And we're going to have in the best way that I could put it together without having to be here all day, um, 
uh, just just spot on. Some, most of them are coming from the book of Hebrews, I guess. But we're going to look at some vital scriptures. What is Jesus doing right now in the ascension? Okay, how does this, first of all, how does this fit in with Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday was, a, as you know, the day where they waved the palm branches. Christ came in on a donkey and and uh, they cried Hosanna and blessed as he who comes in the name of the Lord. And people saw him as Messiah, the king, you know, and they had these hopes of what he was going to do regarding what he does in the second coming. They weren't looking for the suffering Christ. That's why they all turned on him on Good Friday. But he comes in as a king and it's a, it was a great reception in earthly Jerusalem. Well, I would submit to you, and we're going to see it in the scriptures, that it was even even greater and more glorious reception in the ascension of Christ when the king of glory, after his completed task on the cross, and now to begin and work on his task as the king priest, the priest king in the order of Melchizedek, the king of glory comes in and now will take up the task he died to save us, and now he lives. He has ascended, serving as high priest in heaven to keep us saved. That's the importance of the ascension. That's the importance of the time that has passed since he died on the cross and has ascended into heaven. So let's begin with Luke 24, and we'll finish out Luke 24, which is going to finish out the gospel of Luke, beginning in verse 50. And uh, carrying us, I guess it's verse 53. Uh, yeah, okay. The rest of Luke. Now, he, now this is after he charged them to wait till they were empowered from on high. The promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Now he led them out as far as to Bethany. And having lifted up his hands... He blessed them. And it came to pass in his blessing them, he was separated from them. Now, what is, that's not yet the ascension, but what it means is that Christ essentially left them there and he begins to walk a little further over to another place. They're watching him, they're seeing, but he separates himself spatially from, from the disciples who were there. Now, here's the ascension. And was, uh, I guess the translation would be uh, taken up, carried up. He was, uh, he was taken up. He was carried up into heaven. So he was carried up. There is a, there is a uh, something is happening that carries him up. We're going to talk about that as we get on over here. In just a second. And having worshipped him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And, and all were continually in the temple, blessing God. So they worshipped him in, in his ascension. And we have a pretty good picture, frankly, of the ascension and here's how we get that picture. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like to see in my mind as best as I can what happened and what is happening. 
Now, I don't have a, I don't have a passage here that I've called up. I guess I could go to it. Um, why don't I just do that uh, with the with the marvel of uh, my software? I can go right over here to Acts chapter one. I remember Luke is the same guy who wrote Acts. He wrote Acts. He wrote Luke. And it says over here in verse, uh, uh, let's see, he gave them the great commission again, and this will be about verse 9. And having said these things, uh, uh, they, beholding or looking or watching, uh, as, in other words, as they were watching, he was taken up. Eperthe. Eperthe. He was taken up. He was taken up. Now, in, in being, that, that's different from being carried like we saw in Luke 24. So you put them both together. He was carried, but in the act of being carried, he was lifted up. In other words, eperthe. It's the, same, it's the Greek word that you would use in Isaiah 6. If you, if you look at the Septuagint, you would say, okay, uh, the Greek word for when, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, lifted up, he was exalted. He was lifted up. So it's the same thought here. It wasn't just that he was floating away. He was exalted. Now, the, now remember, Christ had prayed in John 17 that the glory that he had from before the world ever was would come back to him after all this was over and that his would see him in his glory. Okay, this is what's happening. He's being carried away, and as he's being carried away, he is being exalted. So that's the picture that you give. The one who was the resurrected Christ who was very much like the Jesus of Nazareth that they had known is doing what would be done thus to be carried away and in the being and in the being carried away he was clothed upon with the glory that is his and peculiarly his he's he's a resurrected man but the glory of God the son is bestowed back upon him according to his prayer and that's what eperthe means he was lifted up and a cloud hid him from their eyes. And as they were looking intently, I think probably some of the translations, they were gazing. Uh, they, were, they were looking intently. They were, they, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's a, like a stunned stare, a gaze. You know, what, what is that? What am I looking at? As they were looking intently, uh, into the heavens as he was going. Then look, or behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men, Galileans, why do you stand? Blepontes, why do you stand? This is probably closer to gazing. Uh, they, they were they were uh, 
they were sinking it in, they were sinking it in and discerning what's happening. Into, into heaven, why, why do you stand looking or gazing into heaven? This Jesus, all right, now what Jesus? Well, the one who was eperth, the one who is exalted. This Jesus, having been taken up from you into heaven, will thus come in that manner you beheld him going into heaven. Now this is, all right, we're, we're going through the Revelation. We've been through the Revelation in chapter one. And, he's, and I told you that the unveiling of Christ was in the Revelation. It's a gift from the Father to the Son that now the last of the living disciples could unveil the reality of the glory of Christ, something that much of the church uh, didn't experience there on, on, uh, during the ascension. And he, ha- he looks like the Ancient of Days is what he looks like, but he also has on high priestly garments. Uh, he's, he's a royal. He has royal garments that are also priestly. So he's the king priest. Um, now, back to Psalm, back in the Old Testament, Psalm 68, there is a, there is a prophecy of the ascension of Christ. And this gives us a better picture. Okay, let's keep in mind. He was carried up. He was carried away. He was carried. He was lifted up. He was exalted until a cloud received him. And it says in Psalm 68, I I can't, I, I need to just, I hate to leave the context, but let me just pick out the key passages here, which would be the, um, I guess in what would be verse 18. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. Now we're going to see that in Ephesians 4. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men. And even from the rebellious. That you might dwell there. Yah. That's a shortened version of Yahweh. Yah, God, blessed be Adonai day by day who loads us, who loads us up with benefits. The God of our salvation. Silah. Just want to stop with those two verses. Now, if you if you go back, you will see in verse 17, maybe I should have started there. Let me go back and go back to verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of even uh, thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai in the holy place. And then thought continues. You have ascended on high. Okay. So I left out chapter uh, verse 17. I should have included it a while ago. Here's the picture. Christ separates himself from the crowd that was with him when he went to Bethany. Now he walks up. I don't know how far away from them. But he separates himself. Now here's what appears. 
here's what opinion. This is this is the way I see it. Um, what appears is the chariots of God. These are angels, and in my view, they would be on either side of Christ and would just keep going up as far as one could see it when this spiritual realm was open to the eyes of those who were there. And here are the chariots of God and the angels are driving those horses. Now Ezekiel teaches us that the Son of God has a mobile throne, a chariot throne called the Merkabah, Merkabah. And that's what Ezekiel saw coming. And that, that chariot throne is borne up by the four cherubim, one on each corner and wheels within wheels, and they have four faces and eyes and all this stuff. And it appears like an electrical storm, Ezekiel says. It came from the north. Now this, to me... If you just take what the scripture, scripture teaches and put it all together, okay, you have this wall of angelic chariots, these chariots and angels and heaven's horses to receive him. Can you imagine the snort, the stomping of heaven's horses waiting the king? And as he bids farewell to his disciples, now this is the way I see it. He mounts the Merkabah, the chariot throne. And that's described over in the book of Ezekiel. I'm not going to take the time to, it's a beautiful description of that throne where Son of God comes. So these cherubim are mighty. They're mighty. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel teaches us in 20, chapter 29 that, that Satan was one of their number. He was their captain. Five cherubim, five, let me get in the camera, five. One fell, there's still four. Four guys just as tough as him. And they are the guardians and the ones who carry up the Merkabah, the chariot throne. And it's a beautiful thing. It looks like sapphire and it has, it has this lightning flash from it. And the way I see it, he steps into that throne and as he mounts that throne... Stepping off of earth and into that chariot, the Jesus of Nazareth that was so familiar to them now is still Jesus, but the glory with which he was enswathed from the, before the world ever was now comes upon him. And so no wonder they're gazing at him. Now, this is the way I see it, according to the scriptures. And in the midst of those chariots, as far as when he's, it says here, Thousands of thousands, 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. So now God the Son, enswathed in his peculiar glory, steps into his chariot, the chariot throne of the Son of God, and it begins to go away, and the same cloud like the pillar of fire and the cloud in the wilderness, the, the glory of the Lord 
encircles him, takes him up, and those chariots and the Merkabah, the chariot throne, bearing up God the Son, the King of all kings, the great priest who will be our priest, zooms away into heaven. That's the way I see it, putting all the scriptures together. So it says here that uh, he took captivity and made it his captive. Now that's, if you go, if you go to Ephesians 4, it says he is, and he ascended uh, on high and he led captivity. His, he made the prison his prisoner. So death, you know, he has the keys of death and Hades, the Bible says in the Revelation. And he gave gifts to men. So in his, in his leaving, the promise of the Father would come and then his people would be empowered and those gifts are listed down here. Uh, and he gave some indeed to be apostles and now some prophets and some now evangelists and some now shepherds and teachers or pastors and teachers toward the perfecting, the growth and the maturity of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we may attain, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a man, a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow. So, now he ascends. You can, I hope you could get the picture that I can get taking from Ezekiel and taking from Psalm 68, taking from Luke and taking from Matthew and taking from Acts 1, the picture of his ascension. And then taking also from the Revelation 1, who shows us in detail what they were glimpsing, what they were catching a glimpse of as he ascended in his chariot throne. So now he would give gifts to men. Now that happens, of course, when the Holy Spirit is sent and the church is birthed on uh, the day of Pentecost. Now, there's another picture in uh, Psalm 24. And uh, this is just 10. I'm going to read through this, uh, Psalm 24. This also has to do with the ascension of Christ. I told you this was Palm Sunday, and he came in as a king to earthly Jerusalem, or they understood, they partially understood Daniel said, but he, he came, and, but he would receive nothing. He wouldn't receive his kingdom now, yet still he offered himself as their king, but now goes up as a king into the holy, heavenly uh, Jerusalem. Psalm 24, a psalm of David. The earth is Yahweh's and its fullness. The world and all those who dwell in, in it, therein, who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. 
Who may ascend? There's that word. Who may ascend into the hill of Yahweh? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands. Now, I would capitalize the pronoun he here, not because it, let's see. Not necessarily the beginning of a sentence, but I would, I get hung up with that kind of stuff. Um, But I would capitalize it because it's deity, it's Christ. It's Christ. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up to an idol his soul, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor has sworn deceitfully. That is Christ, and that is those who are in Christ. He shall receive blessing from Yahweh and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek your face. Jacob, Silah. And here's the part I want you to see. Lift up your gates. Lift up your heads, you gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? Yahweh, strong and mighty. Yahweh, mighty in battle. What a battle he had fought. Lift up your heads, you gates, and lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Yahweh of hosts, of armies. He is the king of glory. Selah. Now in my view, this, it won't be Palm Sunday, it's Ascension Day, but it reminds us of Palm Sunday. It's the real thing that was kind of typified in Palm Sunday, though, though that thing turned out to be kind of fake on the, in the hearts of the people. So now what's he doing? The king of glory, my goodness, enswathed in the glory of God the Son. He makes his way to his rightful throne, Revelation chapters 1 through 5 which is at the pinnacle of the, of the mount of God, which is the, the, real, mount, the real mount of God in uh, God's holy Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews 12 describes it. And his throne is at the pinnacle, at the top of it. Out from under his throne roars the water that makes the river of life and cascades down. And out from his throne is the crystal sea. And he's on the throne of grace now, the throne of grace. It's the throne of glory, but right now it's the throne of grace. So he would disembark his wonderful, glorious, beautiful, magnificent chariot throne and be seated on the throne of heaven. 
and be received as the king of glory there. So what's he doing? Here's what he promised, John 14, beginning verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In the house of my father, there are many mansions is what it's translated in King James, mansions, dwelling places, but it's a residence that is a royal residence. It's, a spe- it's not just some apartment, you know. It's a royal residence in the house of the father. There are many royal residences Now, if it, if it wasn't, if, if now not, you, you'd say, if it was not now, I would have told you. I go that prepar- I would prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and to the place I'm going, you know the way. What's he doing up there? Well, number one, he's the king of glory. He's also the dispenser of the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's preaching, he's not preaching, he's providing a place. He's making a place for us. All right? Now I want to go to Hebrews 6. Uh Oh, you could just about start anywhere, but I'll start down around verse 18. So that by two things, so that by two unchangeable things, for in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement. Having having fled for refuge, to take hold of the hope being set before us, which we have as an anchor of the soul, which we have as a sure anchor of the soul, both unshakable and sure. And entering into that, Within the veil, that's heaven's holy of holies, where the advance guard, where our advance guard has entered, Jesus. So what's he doing now? Well, he's entered. Okay, preparing a plan. It's a big project going on. He's preparing. Also, he has entered into the. Holy of holies in heaven's temple as our royal guard. Boy, think about that. Prodromos, royal guard. I don't know how you have it translated in your maybe a, maybe a precursor whatever, the one who runs ahead, but it's a, it means a royal, a, a guard, a royal, a guard, a royal guard. 
Jesus has entered according to the order of Melchizedek. A high priest having been come, Aston Iona, into the age that is forever. Having become a high priest forever. So what's next thing he's done? He's, he's gone to serve as the king priest there for us. Well, it continues in Hebrews 7. And I'm only going to look at verses 24 and 25. But because of his uh, remaining, abiding, but because of his abiding, remaining to the A, there's a phrase again, or forever, abiding forever, he holds a permanent priesthood. Now, the contrast is being made here in the context with the earthly priesthood. He holds a permanent priesthood, wherefore also to save to the all time of perfection. Uh, it's a pantales, it's a, it's a compound word in the Greek text from pos and talos. Pos means all and talos means perfection or, or entire maturity. To the, to the all perfection. Maybe the King James says to the uttermost. He is able. He is able to the all time perfection without, without missing a beat. Those drawing near through him to God. Always living to intercede for them. This is his job to keep me saved. That's what he's doing right now. And that's the description. So this is our ascended Lord. He's our King of Kings. He is our great eternal high priest. And it says this is what he abides for. This is what he's doing now. This is his, this is his job to keep us saved as our high priest. Now Hebrews 9, a couple of verses. Uh, the, first one, the first verse I think is, uh, I don't have it written down, but I think it's um, verse 12. Nor by blood of goats and calves, however, through his own blood, he entered once for all into the eternal holy places, having obtained eternal redemption. Now this is what qualifies him, of course, is by his blood, the blood of the only begotten son. And by that he enters in our behalf. I gave my blood for Charles Owens. He slipped up, but he's one of mine and you cannot accept a charge against him because I have paid the price, the penalty for that transgression by my blood on the cross. And I think the, the second one in this chapter that I want to read is verse 24. For he, for he entered in, for Christ has entered into holy places 
not made by hands, copies of the true ones, but into heaven itself. Christ didn't go into the man-made temple. He went into heaven's temple. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. That's what he's doing. This is the, no wonder he said to the woman, yes, I'm resurrected, but you got to turn me loose. I've got something in heaven to do. I did what I came to do on earth, and now you're, I died to save you, but I'm going to go up there and keep you saved. And I'm going to be as important to you tomorrow as I was today. I'm going to be important to you all of your life as I was for you on the cross. He died to save us. He lives to keep us saved. That's what he's doing. I want to close now with 1 John 2. It's the first part. It's verse 1, I guess. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you might not sin. And if anyone should sin, we have an advocate. We have an intercessor. We have a helper with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Wow. So this is the ascension of Christ. We have completed the gospel of Luke with the ascension of Christ. And yet the story of the mighty Christ continues in my behalf. And in the behalf of all of those who are in Christ, that continues even now and will all the way until our glorification. Mm. So we have an advocate. We have an intercessor with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, or you could say the righteous one. He's there. So looking at all of those, there are so many more passages, but just looking at those, I hope. You have an idea of what his ascension was like as he left earth and made his journey and what it was like when he arrived in heaven and what he is doing now in heaven for you and for me. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Now, just an announcement. We are going to try to figure out, and you'll know by the middle of the week if we have it figured out. I think we have it figured out that we can have our drive-in Easter worship service. Well, I, I hate rules. We're going to have to have a few rules where everybody have to stay in the car um, and uh, just kind of blow kisses at one another if you want to. But uh, we'll, we'll set up a Hopefully our praise team will be able to come. I don't know. That'll, that'll be up to them and, and, and CO2. But uh, we'll, try, we'll have a speakers set up, and we'll also have a transmitter set up where uh, up to about a tenth of a mile or so. I don't know how far out, but certainly plenty of power to go through all of our parking lot. You will be able to tune into the service on your FM if, if you don't want to listen to the loudspeakers. We're going to be trying that for Easter Sunday. Um, and we'll we'll have a de we'll have a definitive um, 
and and detailed outline about that by the middle of the week. Uh, so let's pray. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. What a Palm Sunday, huh? What a Palm Sunday. There ought to be Easter lilies everywhere all over the altar, seems like. But anyway, God, thank you for letting us be like we are. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, you know our needs and our hearts. We shall be eternally grateful for our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who now lives to keep us, who has my name on his breastplate, and who intercedes for me and for all of those who are his. And God, how I thank you for that and how I thank you, Lord, that he's coming again very soon. I pray for all of Shiloh, Lord. I pray your blessings upon our people. I pray that you would protect us and keep us from sickness and from illness and from harm. That you'd give us the strength and the resources that we need to ride out this storm that we're in right now. And I pray for our country and all of our leaders that you will guide them and give them wisdom. And Lord, when all of this is over and we emerge from this, God, I know that you will have by your purpose cleansed and purged and purified your people. And we'll be stronger because of it. Bless us now and use us for your glory always. And thank you for this opportunity of worship today. In Jesus' name, amen.